We look at Pete Golding's defense for 2023, and we also start having the win conversation when it comes to Kermit Davis. This is the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Also, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Um, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, upvote the video itself and comment down below. We'd appreciate it very much. All right, today's show, we're going to talk a little bit, continuing the theme of what 2023 is going to look like after signing day. We are going to look at the defense, and after all of the exciting news that happened with the offense, the defense perhaps could be a little bit clunky going into the 2023 season. Um, Whenever you have a system change, it can be a difficult thing. They've recruited to this 3-2-6 for multiple years. So going away from it, there's going to be a little bit of time to where you have to move over to it. So let's start on the defensive line. And honestly, the defensive line, Ole Miss is probably better off than they have been on most positions. I think a starting Front three of Jared Ivey, um, Joshua Harris, and J.J. Pegues is very, very solid. Um, with the backups of um, Taiwan Malone, Xavion Harris, and potentially Jamon Gordon, all guys that have gotten playing time in the last few years. So the f- two deep of the front three is in pretty good shape. We'll have to see how they do. But I like the idea of moving Jared Ivey um, out and letting him play a five technique along with J.J. Pegues. I think Jared Ivey needs to put on a little bit of weight fart, but we'll see exactly how that goes. Now, the hybrid defensive end linebacker position that we're having to create that Ole Miss has basically been trying to sign as many people as they can the last few days. Um, I think the number one person there could be a, um, a Cedric Johnson. I think he's going to get some reps out there. I think if Cedric Johnson can drop 10 pounds and get down to about 260, 255, he'll be perfect for that position. He came to Ole Miss as a linebacker. Playing both should not be that foreign to him. Now, Ole Miss also, on signing day, signed Jameer Lewis out of Southwest Community College. Um, That wasn't on signing day. It was the day after. He's transferring up there. He's a 240-pound jack-type position player. And they um, signed D.J. Holmes, the leading sacker in the country with 32 and a half sacks. He ended up with 50 over the last two years or something like that. Some insanely large amount of sacks. And it feels like that jack position's in, in a lot better shape than it was a week ago. I'll put it to you like that. And I'm looking forward to seeing D.J. Holmes. I don't know if anybody's old enough to remember D.J. Holmes reminds me a lot of Corey Moore. He was a defensive end at Virginia Tech, I think, in the late 90s. 
He was a little bit undersized, a little bit short. He didn't have an NFL career, but he was a holy terror in college. I think DJ Holmes has a chance to do that. I see a little bit of a comparison in the way they played through high school and came to Ole Miss is I think you would compare favorably with a Mike Hilton. Undersized, questions all around. He's just going to come out and ball. His athletic ability is going to shine. You're looking at somebody six foot six one, two hundred and forty pounds. He'll never be that two hundred and sixty pound defensive end, but at two hundred and forty pounds, he can probably cause a lot of problems um, for the opponent playing that jack position. I'm looking forward to seeing how well he can adapt and how well he gets into SEC football. Um, several people are going to say, and I, I did this um, bit last week, essentially that he went to a rural high school in Florida. And people in Mississippi hear rural high school and they automatically assume Pilahatchee, Puckett, Pisgah. They think that level of football. That's not that level. He played in a town with three high schools and about a 40,000-person um, cluster of people in that area. It was Glades Day, Glades Central, and Pahokee High School, all in one within 10 miles of each other. 40,000 people in that area. So it's looking at about 12, 13,000 people for a rural high school in Florida. If you think about it, that's Petal. That's Oak Grove. Those type places in Mississippi is what that would equate to. So be careful with the rural and competition thing because it's not the same thing playing small ball in Mississippi and playing small ball in a place like Florida. Just It just absolutely isn't. So just be careful there. But the defensive line and the jack position, I think we might be okay. The jack position could be a little clunky, and it's not going to look like, you know, 2024 we're going to have a better defense than 2023. That's my point. But this year we have a chance to make it work. Now, the two linebackers, maybe three if you include the hybrid safety linebacker position, Ole Miss lost Troy Brown, who's a little bit undersized, but a really good player. That That's that's going to be a, a difficult thing. Now, it looks like Ashanti Seastrunk is still in school. Now, he can still leave. I, I, to my knowledge, he has not left the transfer portal. So, in after spring practice, he may actually do it. He may give spring a whirl, but just stay in the transfer portal, something like that. But if he stays, the linebacker room looks a little bit better. You know, because you have Tyler Banks and those guys that are lined up and playing it at the as a true linebacker returning. A little bit bigger, 230-pound guys in the middle, about the size of Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, who was brought in from Central Florida to play linebacker. Monty Montgomery, kind of a freak athlete guy that um, gave us all kinds of problems when we played Louisville um, two years ago. So we will see how that looks. This this area right here is the question mark spot for Ole Miss's defense. Those two linebacker positions, the Monty Montgomery, we have to hit on Jeremiah Jean-Patiste and Monty Montgomery. Because unless there's jumps, unless things happen, it's, it's not where it needs to be. This is where Pete Golding is going to have his work cut out for him. Defensive line, like I said, I'm fine with the defensive line. Even in this clunky environment of changing to a new defense, I am fine. I mean, we need a spring to put everything in, 
but it has a chance to be decent. Linebackers, I'm just not so sure about. Like I said, you got Jeremiah Jean Batiste, you got uh, Monty Montgomery, you got Ashanti Seastrunk, you got Tyler Banks. You have players, and some of which have played a little bit of football, but they have to mesh. Will Jean Batiste or Montgomery fit in a Pete Golding defense? That's stuff that we have to find out. Remember, Jean Batiste came in. He was brought in under Chris Partridge. So he was not a hand-picked selection. So I'm not overly high on exactly how that'll look. We'll see during the spring of what they will look like. But it kind of is what it is. Now, in the secondary, you've got the hybrid position where, you know, Ladarius Tennyson, all those guys. Santarian Perkins, um, either in a linebacker position or over in that hybrid area, we'll see exactly what that looks like. Defensive backs I'm not overly worried about because they were able to bring in a lot of different type defensive backs because their defense was six defensive backs at a time. Trey Washington, those guys, I, I think they're going to stand up. DeAndre Prince came back. Um, John Saunders. Um, Walton, those guys at corner, they have a chance to be players. I have very little concern about the defensive backfield. Now, do we need more? Yes. Whenever somebody looks at Ole Miss's offense or defense, they're going to want more. That's human nature. No matter what you have, that's never mentally enough. It might be where you need to be, but it might not be enough. So we'll see exactly what that happens. Anyway, I'm looking forward to this defense. They have a chance to be pretty good at least interesting, even if they're 60th in the country in defense. So I'm looking forward to what it's going to do. It's going to look a little bit of like what Mike McIntyre did in 2019. It's going to look a little bit like what Ole Miss did, honestly, in 2015. It's going to be mixed. It's going to be multiple. It's going to be very attacking. Like I said, it has a chance to be very, very interesting. And that 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 kind of pleases me a little bit. So, anyway, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that the success of 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people with skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your goals. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 member member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. That's like 10% of the world's population. That's an insanely large number. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs to help them connect fast and for free. It's LinkedIn Jobs. It makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all in one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, 
Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. I think it's time, since we've gotten into February, to have the conversation. Ole Miss dropped a game at Vanderbilt. Um... Three or four points was the final score. Ole Miss had a, hit a scoring desert like with three minutes to go in the game, and Bandy was able to stretch it out to like 11 points. They were able to win the game. Ole Miss is now, what, one and nine or something like that in the SEC. It's at the point where there's no way they can have an above 500 record in the SEC, even if they won all the rest of their games. So, Nobody is having the conversation of what's going to happen. This isn't a discussion of, you know, keep Kermit or fire Kermit. This is not that. We're past that. It's now a discussion of when. And you can see different perspectives of people talking everywhere. And as you know, this podcast is all about perspectives and um, commentary. And nobody's perspective in any way is any higher than another, but I think we do need to talk about what's going on because there's, there's benefits and there's negatives to both scenarios. All right. Now I think Michael Borky put out a tweet that says, unless there's some financial reason that Ole Miss should go ahead and move away. Now it'll give fan base and they can start healing. And that is absolutely the case. What you want is for that fan base to feel good, even before baseball season. Baseball is going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting, and they might be down at the beginning because of what basketball is right now. It is because they haven't had a chance to heal. There hasn't been anything positive that has been happening really in the last, I think they beat South Carolina about three weeks ago. That was about it. So whenever the decision to move on, happens, you're able to allow your fan base to heal. They're they're allowed to do hot boards. They're allowed to think about the future. They're allowed to have tough conversations. I've, I've heard people in the last couple of days talking about whether or not Chris Beard is hireable, which I do not think he is in any way, um, just like Will Wade. But they're having that conversation. Now, it can be much more official and much more widespread if you made the decision to move on and just had an interim coach because the end of the season is not going to change. Now, the pushback that you're going to get from some people that are going to say, okay, what about the recruiting class that Kermit signed? Because, you know, Josh Hubbard out of MRI, really good players have signed with Ole Miss in the early signing period. You risk losing all of them. And my opinion on those is those guys are probably gone either way. The moment they that Kermit gets let go, the moment that the staff lets go, it becomes a race against the clock to try and keep any of them. In this age of mercenary athletics, nobody is going to a school because of secondary feels. They're going to school for a specific, specific set of reasons. And once you remove two or three of those reasons and money might be equal in different places in NIL, 
all of a sudden you you have a losing hand. And that's the reason LSU, whenever they moved away from their basketball coach last year, Will Wade, they ended up with one player on their roster. Their whole team left. And honestly, I think something similar might happen at Ole Miss. I don't know if the whole team will leave. I don't know if anything like that, but I do think something drastic is going to happen because we are in the mercenary era of college basketball. Now, we're going to talk about um, the competition between school and NIL Collective in the very next segment, Um, but this is an example where the NIL Collective has their work cut out for them. They, They need to start planting seeds. They need to start having conversations if they can um, with players and prepare them for what's about to happen. They need to be as involved as they can be throughout this whole process. Now, I'm not saying help them pick a coach. That's not what I'm saying. They need to be informed and being kept abreast of what is happening. Because if it goes silent, if it goes dead, every kid's gone. They're not going to put up with it anymore. If they can leave, they are going to leave. So, that is one of the reasons I think that the firing him now situation is a bump because if they're going on the recruiting thing, it doesn't matter because the same people that are in their ear um, about what's going to happen in March are in their ear right now. So is it is that that's not really going to matter. Some people, like I said, it's an interesting situation. Now, if you wait, until spring, all right? It does allow for a situation, maybe Kermit can gracefully exit stage right, which potentially could help Ole Miss recruiting-wise. It's easier to handle a coach that retires than a coach you fire. Optics is going to look a little bit better. The fan base is going to continue to downward spiral, though. And understand for the next, what is it, nine games, it's going to be a mess. Now, baseball starts in under two weeks, so that's going to help. So, Delaware State's around the corner, so that'll at least distract. But that'll distract for two weeks. you got two weeks to get there. Now, I do not think they're going to make a move now. It's not my opinion. Not... It, I don't think they want to operate that way. But I think it needs to be on the table, especially over the next month. You have to see what's going on because there's a lot of questions out there that really have been answered already. And you're kind of just... Very Houston nut in um, 2011 to where after Vander or after Vanderbilt, we knew. Whenever he got boat raced by James Franklin up there by Vanderbilt, we knew it was over. But they just kind of fought against themselves as the season went on. It's my opinion. I, I don't know if they should make a move now. I don't know if they should make a move at the end of the year. I do think having a conversation about when is important and it's going to become a going to become the most important conversation in men's basketball over the next month. 
because your fan base and the people that people interact with, not necessarily Keith Carter, not necessarily anybody associated with the school, but people that have to interact with the fan base, they're going to feel it. And it's going to raise pressure in a way that you may not even be prepared for. But February, if it goes poorly, if it goes like January did, is going to be a very, very rough month for men's basketball. Just is, period. We've already had players leave the team, not necessarily quit playing basketball. There's a chance with a hire, Ruffin comes back. There's a chance he enters the transfer portal. We'll see exactly how that goes. So, it is what it is. Anyway, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you have to try Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better, that they're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've said, hey, go to Built.com and put in this promo code and order it. And two weeks later, the box shows up at your door. Now, you don't have to do that. You can simply go to your nearest Walmart, into the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. They have four bar boxes of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Some really great flavors. Also, if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. So there's multiple ways now you can get a box of Built Bars. You can order it from Built.com, just like always. You can go to Walmart and get a smaller box. You can get a jumbo box at Sam's Club. These options are available to you, and, and that's pretty exciting. Anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, upvote the video itself and comment on the video down below. All right. The next thing that we need to talk about in this interesting episode, there's not a lot happening around Ole Miss sports besides Ole Miss basketball being fairly bad. We had that conversation um, last segment. And signing days wrapped up. We're waiting for spring football to start. It's like, okay, what's going on? Well, I was sitting around perusing the internet the other day, and CGA prices apparently for season tickets have gone up. And that's not a new thing. CGA things like that go up all the time. But where this sits now, if you remember and have been with me for the last year, one of the first episodes that we did was about how NIL is going to suck all of the oxygen out of the room. And that is insanely important. And now, after we've gone through this full year, we had a campaign to get people to donate money to the NIL Collective, got it up over $10 million, did everything that we were supposed to do. And then this happens and it feels like a money grab. This feels like a way to pay for a $9 million head coach, which generally in the past, if this was 2008 
would make total sense. But now we have honestly problems because this is the way this is set up. All right. You can either pay your CGA and um, season tickets and go to the Grove and do all that and have a live experience and help pay for a $9 million a year head coach, maybe some facility improvements. Or you can donate to the NIL Collective to where you can have better players and you have a better record and a better football team is available. What you have here is the school in the NIL Collective competing against each other for your money. And Mississippi is not a wealthy state. I don't know if anybody that can say Mississippi is a wealthy state. So whenever things like this happens, it's more exaggerated than in other states. It'd be more exaggerated than it was in Florida. It'd be more exaggerated if it was in California or Texas. Mississippi, whenever stuff like this happens and you have a $50, $75 raise in a CGA per ticket for a certain section, that's going to affect everything. Now, at the same time, the football team is asking you to donate to the NIL Collective, which was 20, at least $21 um, per month, and they're taking money that way. So this is the choice that they're leaving because people are going to the games and doing what they can to do it. They're making it to where... If they want to go to the games, just get a ticket in the secondary market. Do not do season tickets. Just go single games for a couple of games a year and watch games on television, on your 75-inch television with no lines for concessions, no lines for the bathroom, a comfortable place to sit and a better angle to view the game at than you would normally get. Along with some interesting commentary from time to time. All of that make for a pleasurable viewing experience, plus your money can get, be rerouted from the CGA and season tickets over to the NIL, which means the product on the field will be better. Can you see the conundrum that we're talking about here? Or you can do season tickets, pay the CGA, you can enjoy the party in the Grove, you can enjoy that camaraderie, so it's basically like whether you are interested in winning the party and winning the game. Essentially what it's, it's coming down to. Now, some people are going to be able to max out both, and good for them. If they can do both, I am absolutely proud that you can do that. A lot of people are not, and they're going to have to start making hard choices. And I talked about what NIL was going to do and how it was going to suck the oxygen out of the room and how eventually colleges and collectives would be competing for your money at the same time. And that is what is starting to happen. It doesn't look like it. They're not going to openly compete because they both need the money to be successful. So they're going to make it to where it's your choice. They're going to tug on your heartstrings. They're going to try and figure out a way to do both. At least for a little while. Because we're in the interim of the beginning of this NIL stage. And what's going to happen is NIL is going to suck all the air out of the room. Facility improvements, they need to be happening because that money is going to get eaten up. Coaches' salaries, they're going to come down. Why? Because that money is going to get eaten up. Because the most important thing right now is the product on the field, and the NIL collectives are the way to do that. Like I said, there's going to be people that's going to be able to do both, and congratulations, thank you. 
but there's going to be people that has to make a choice of what they want to enjoy, how they want to enjoy Ole Miss football. And whenever they do that, you're going to see season ticket numbers drop from 48 to 43 to 38. The number is going to slowly come down as people transition over to their TV set. They're not any less fans. They're probably doing whatever they can to make the team better. But the in-game experience of college football has become less and less and less. And honestly, Ole Miss in the stadium needs to figure out a way to make more amenities happen. Because I think attendance is going to drop and drop and drop as NIL becomes more and more important. And if you're looking for a regulation, if you're looking for the government to step in, if you're looking for the NCAA to step in, they're not. They might do something, but they're not going to do what you want them to do. So in the end, these choices are going to fall to you. And money grabs like this is going to become more and more frequent because they're going to need the money. Like I said, CGA money going up. That makes sense. $9 million a year coach. They have to get that money from somewhere. It doesn't just appear. This isn't monopoly money. So, as I like to say, understand that some people want college football to be 2008 or college sports to be 2008. In 2019, that all changed. If you are operating under that umbrella and the way they did it 15 years ago, you are going to fall behind. Understand that NIL money is going to suck all of the oxygen out of the room. It's going to. You need to make plans to do as much as you can, as quickly as you can, before NIL takes it all down. Because you have a coach right now, and they're not, they're not going to say anything at the moment. But come November, it's going to come out that Lane Kiffin needs X amount of money. It's going to be more than the $10 million that he got because he wants more. All, everybody wants more. It might be $15 million for next year. That is going to cut down on these CGAs. It's going to become a choice. It just is what it is. Nobody is necessarily wrong. It's just the system that we have set it up and we decide to use puts the school and the collective sometimes at odds and sometimes fighting over the same money. That's my point. So money grabs, the, the price didn't go up that much. But that little bit that's going up, is it going to cause them to have to pull from the collective to do it? We'll, we'll see exactly how it goes. Anyway, I, I'm insanely interested for the next 10 years of college sports. It, it, quite, quite interested in that, in that realm. Anyway, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast. It's Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Thank you very much for stopping by today. I know this episode might have been a little bit of a downer, um, but it's stuff that we kind of need to talk about. 
before we can move on to other interesting stuff. So we'll see what all happens anyway. Thank you very much. I'm Stephen Willis, and we will see you tomorrow.